Jesus came all this way to make your heart his home. That's a story that we have heard and we've told a thousand times and Christmas has passed. The story has been told many different places, not only in churches like this one, but certainly in the scriptures. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 where you find the story of the narrative of that special nativity moment. When Jesus was talked about, when it was prophesied that the Messiah would come to bring hope, to bring life, to bring peace, to bring forgiveness, to bring a a possibility that we would have the opportunity of spending eternity with him. And that's the reason Jesus came. That's the reason we read stories like in Matthew that talk about Jesus' birth. It's why we read stories like we find in in Luke chapter 1 that tell the the story of, of that amazing announcement that took place. When that angel came and he declared to Mary, you're going to have a child. A young girl that probably was somewhere around 14, 15, 16 years old, not yet married. And here an angel is declaring to her that you are going to be a mom and that you are going to give birth to the child that will be the Messiah, the son of the living God. You can imagine the shock that must have resonated through her heart and through her mind that day. Can you imagine what it must have been like? Obviously, we read the narrative, we read the story, we've told it many times that she indeed was shocked and she didn't know what to think. She didn't know what to believe. She didn't know what to do. But here's what she did. She simply believed. In Luke chapter 1, Luke writes this story and he even begins it in in verse 3 of that passage. And he says, listen, I, I think it's a good thing for me to write these words to you because I have thoroughly investigated them and I give them to you, Theophilus, so that you will truly know that everything that you hear is true. To make it very clear, to declare That message not only to Theophilus 2,000 years ago, but to you and me, that hey, what you hear about and what I'm about to say, hey, these words are true and they make a difference. Now, obviously, we've all heard that story. We've heard that story in many different ways in church services like this one. We've we've heard it in in stories like the Veggie Tales and even Snoopy, uh, the Charlie Brown series has told this story. But there's one part of this story today that I want to really focus on that I want to spend a little bit of time kind of digging into as we have been over this December season, this month, walking through the the five women that are listed in the narrative, the the genealogy of Christ in Matthew chapter 1. And we've talked about Tamar, and we've talked about Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, and today we talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And as we do, I, I want to take us to a part of the passage there. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Luke chapter one, and we're going to begin in verse 46 as we kind of get a picture of this, this statement that's often, often referred to as the, uh, the Magnificat. And it's the story where, where Mary gives all the praise and all the honor and all the glory to God for what is about to happen. It's a powerful passage. And I just want to read this song to you after she had the opportunity of hearing from the angel Gabriel and after she had traveled to go to Elizabeth to, to spend time with her to, as, as Elizabeth was about to give birth to John the Baptist and now Mary to give birth to Jesus. And, and in the middle of that story in Luke chapter 1, Luke shares this song that Mary sang. And let me read it to you if, if we could. In verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, 
And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things, and he sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Here in this song that Mary gives at a time in life when she had every reason to be concerned and every reason to be afraid and every reason to feel as if her life was coming down, shattering around her. In a time which, like now, but certainly then 2,000 years ago, even more so, her reputation was endangered. Her testimony was something that was about to be shattered. The world would look at her and think, how could you be pregnant? You're not married. At a time when she could have been put to death for this very act. And yet the words that came from her lips were not words of fear. The words that resonated from her heart were not words of of uncertainty, of words of trying to figure out how to get away from the situation in our culture, of how to do away with this situation. No, her words were far greater, far stronger, far more powerful, far more meaningful because these words point to one very important truth. God can be trusted. And so let's take a moment as we walk through this song on this Christmas Eve to to get a picture of how all of us in this room that will face those situations of uncertainty and face those challenges that we might walk through, those moments of fear that we will encounter in our lives. And as we do, that we can learn from Mary, this fifth member of that that group of women that were found in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Christ. What can we learn from Mary and the situation that she faced to help us the next time that we face a similar encounter? The first one is this, is God always promises to give us favor in our fear. Going back to verse 46, in the beginning of this song, she makes that statement, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Finding favor in our fear, what she tells us in this moment is this, is that she recognized and understood the sovereignty of God. That even in the crisis that she now found herself, in the challenges that she was now beginning to navigate, not wondering, not, want, not knowing what, what Joseph is going to think, not knowing what her family is going to think, what the world is going to think. As I said a moment ago, not even sure if the community would stone her for this tragic situation where she was an unmarried 14, 15-year-old girl with a baby on the way. And what she does here is she declares the sovereignty of God even in this midst. And she says this, that, that clearly God has shown favor. That God has allowed me in the midst of my fear that her plan, her heart, was to exalt God. To recognize and understand that he is sovereign, that he is supreme, and that he just simply is good. Can you say that in the crisis that you face? In the challenges that you walk through, in the heartbreak that you experience, can you say, even still, God is good. Even still, exalting, worshiping, praising the name of God in the midst of the challenge that we're facing. That's exactly what 
what Mary did here. But see, rather, what many times we do as human beings is we allow our fear to, to change the way that we respond, the way that we react. We allow our fear to dictate our circumstance. We allow our fear to, to dictate how we're going to act in the midst of a crisis rather than simply trusting God. I remember many years ago, I took my family when my kids were old enough to really kind of understand it. We all went down to Disney World and Sherry and, and I took the kids and, and they were all excited. And we got to Disney World and there was one ride there that, that, that all of us were looking forward to riding and it was a ride called Splash Mountain. And, and we were excited about it and, and so we looked forward to it and I remember clearly as we were going to Splash Mountain, Jonathan was excited and Jessica was excited, Natalie was excited, Sherry of course was having a great time. But yet Nicholas, because of Splash Mountain, for some reason, he was scared to death of Splash Mountain. He wanted nothing to do with it. He didn't want to go near it. He didn't want to ride it. He didn't want to have anything. I mean, he literally would cry as we began to get in the line going to Splash Mountain. And he just simply declared, I'm not going to ride it. And so I can tell you that in the years to come, that trip, the first trip, and then in the years following, there were so many times... And I mean scores of times because all the other kids wanted to ride it multiple times on each trip that we went. That I had to actually hang back with Nicholas underneath the railroad bridge where there's a little playground and a little slide that was there. And I had to hang out with him and climb and slide down a little two foot slide that was there. And I did that year after year after year because Nicholas had no interest whatsoever in riding Splash Mountain. But you know, there's an interesting lesson in that situation. Because in that situation, while Nicholas was afraid of Splash Mountain, by the way, he's not afraid anymore. Just want to make sure he's clear. He's 23. He's good. <laughs> but he was afraid for so long. But what's clear in that situation is in the midst of his fear, you know what he did? I mean, obviously, he, he knew he was afraid. He knew he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to face it. But you know what he did? It's got a great lesson here because Mary kids is the same picture, the same story. Is that what he did is he hung on to me and decided that as long as I'm with my dad, I'm going to be just fine. That's exactly what Mary declared in this song. That as she was facing uncertainty, as she was facing the possibility of being ostracized, as she was facing the situation where, in fact, Matthew chapter 1 and 2 tell us very clearly that Joseph was afraid because he was afraid about how people might treat her after this situation. Instead of her running and screaming and finding fear and, and allowing the fear to dictate her actions, what she did is she simply said this, I trust God. Can you say that? Is that a lesson that you've learned in the midst of the crises that you have walked through in life? You see, what Mary found was favor in her fear. And not favor that came from a friend or favor that came from a book. Favor that came from God and God alone. And the presence that she never questioned. God was with her. The second thing she finds in this song is strength in her weakness. That God gives her strength when she's at her weakest point. Look at verse 49. And it says, because the mighty one, God, has done great things for me. And his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. You see, what she recognized here, what her song declares is this, is that our hope is found in trusting in his strength, not our own. I look out over here and I see Michael, uh, uh, Todd McDowell. Michael's here too. Great to see you, buddy. But I see Todd McDowell here. And Todd now for a number of months and, and years has been battling cancer. Where doctors have said, man, there is just like nothing else we can do. 
A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity of right back in this room of, of praying with Todd and with Audrey and, and having the opportunity of, of spending some time. And what I heard from him, what I saw in him was this, is that I don't care what doctors say and I don't care what I might be navigating. I don't care what this world might hold. I'm trusting God no matter what. And that is a story that Mary teaches us in a song where she clearly tells us like, hey, the mighty one has done a mighty thing. That God in his strength is who I can lean on. He's the one who has done great things for me. And his name is holy. But then she goes on to say, in his mercy, that unmerited favor of giving what we do not deserve, that mercy is from generation to generation. That means this, that it didn't stop 2,000 years ago. It continues today, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, family after family. God's great. And he continues to give us what 2 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us, that his grace is sufficient for me. We find strength in our weakness. The third thing that she teaches us is we can find protection from the proud. Look what it says in verse 51. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. And he has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. In other words, we need not fear those who try to lord their power over us. That we need not fear those who try to hold us down or to press us down. That we trust in God because God is the one who, as it says, scatters the proud and exalts the lowly. We see that story over and over again in scripture. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 5. That it tells us that, that pride actually creates a situation where we are an abomination to God. Proverbs 16, verse 18 tells us this, that pride comes before destruction. A haughty spirit comes before the fall. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 23 says that he who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What God teaches us and what Mary echoes in this song is this, is that we need not fear those who are in power trying to hurt us and trying to come after us and trying to stop us in our faith. We need to simply trust in God, that God is in control, that God has all the power, and God is all that we need. She makes this statement, he has done a mighty deed with his arm, which echoes what we find in Isaiah chapter 53 in that passage in the Old Testament that declares, talks about the Messiah who is to come. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And then that passage goes on to talk about all that Jesus would do. And here, Mary echoes that statement, knowing that no matter how difficult the situation, no matter what the people might say around her, and you can imagine the Pharisees probably had a lot to say about what Mary was going through. What she found was protection from the pride of people. And finally... We learn that Mary teaches us here that we can find provision in our pain. Look what it says in verse 53. He has satisfied the hungry with great things, and he has sent the rich away empty. He has satisfied the hungry. This is a clear statement of the provision that only God can give. And I would bet that there are times, and Todd, I'm sure you can echo this. There are times that no matter what people might say, what people, doctors or nurses might say, you've recognized that there are times when only God is going to give you what you need. That there are times when you recognize it doesn't matter what the noise is. It doesn't matter what the distraction is. It doesn't matter what the world is saying. That only God can give me what what I need in this moment. And what Mary echoes here and teaches us all here is this, is there is provision. 
that God came through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who came born in that manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago to provide to us what only he could give in the moments of loss, in the moments of pain, the moments of hurt, that God is the one that provides. This week I read a a sermon that was given by C.S. Lewis back in 1946. He wrote an article for for a magazine. And and what it was, was it was a Christmas message to pagans. And in that article that he wrote, that sermon that he wrote, he began talking about people who were uh, trying to walk away from God, people who were ignoring God, people who were trying to find hope in anything but God. And ultimately he came down to a, a statement that there are only three kinds of people in this world. First, there are people who are sick and don't know it. People who are walking through life with all the hurt, the pain, the sorrow of this life, living, trying to find peace and joy, whatever, in anything, and running and not ignoring, totally ignoring what God is and who God is. The second group of people, those who are sick and know it. And those who are sick and know it are the people who are looking for the, the, the fix to their problems in all the things of this society, all the things of this culture. People who are running after finding peace and joy and peace in love and peace and contentment, peace on earth, and they're trying to find it in anything but God. And then there are the third group of people, those who are sick and have found the cure. You see, the cure to everything that we might face, the cure to the pain of this society, of this culture, the fix to the lack of peace and goodwill towards men is not found in government and it's not found in, in the things that this world has tried to make it. It's not found in the materialism of Christmas that we have extended. It's not found in all of the lights and all of the music. It is found in one very important truth that Jesus, the Son of God, came and was born in a lowly manger so that through him we could find the hope that we need to make it through this day, to make it through tomorrow, to make it through next week, to make it through anything that might come. You see, we are the ones who are sick, all of us. But our prayer and the message of Christmas is that you find the cure. And the cure is in Jesus. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed. Today, if you're here and you've never experienced the the cure that is Jesus, if you've never experienced the peace that only he can give, I just encourage you today in this moment, right now in this place, to simply say this, God, I know I'm a sinner. And God, I know I need a savior. And I believe Jesus is the only one who can save me. So, Father, forgive me of my sins. Save me today through your son, Jesus. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life as you give me the power to do it. Thank you, God, for saving me. You see, that's what the message was on that silent night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago.
sing it together. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure extinguish your candles. We want to thank you for being here today and wish you a very Merry Christmas. A reminder, there will be ushers at the door as we take an offering, a very special Christmas offering. You'll see them at the door. And also, if you would please leave your candles at the door in the bins because we're going to need them for three o'clock. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. As we close, why don't you stand and sing along with us, all right? Thank you for taking time out of your Christmas Eve to join us here at Thomas Road. If you'd like more information about what it means to be a Christ follower, then we'd love to hear from you. You know, there's no better time than right here in the middle of this Christmas season to receive God's gift to you. Our mission here at Thomas Road is to develop Christ followers who love God and love people. And if you'd like to join us in fulfilling this mission by giving to our ministry, just go to the link there on your screen and make your contribution today. But once again, we want to thank you for being a part of our Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and to yours.